It's round two of a solo ride on the Magic School Bus of Professional Wrestling Podcasts. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and you've tuned in to Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, brought to you in part by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. Joining me this week, going to have a lot of fun once again doing this on my own. Kobe off handling some personal business, but he'll be back next week, and we will be back in the saddle together again. Don't know who's going to ride bitch yet, but we'll be back in the saddle once again giving you the best of WWF superstars and WCW Saturday night here on Weekend Warriors. Um, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in, checking out the show last week, uh, being a part of that, uh, doing it solo. Uh, was I tried to make it as fun as I possibly could. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You know, I'm, I'm not the best when it comes to doing these by myself. I always like to have someone bounce back and forth off of me. Um, Especially on kicking out at two, but here on marking out the day's weekend warriors, the baby of one Kobe Nida, our 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 brainchild of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. It was a little challenging and nerve wracking to try and uh, you know take control of his baby, so to speak, for this one time only. Um, but you know, I wanted to do the man a favor because he helped me out when I was on my sabbatical for a month with my my brother's wedding, my family being in town, and having to entertain all of that and then some. So that's the least I can do. So hopefully, um, hopefully I do a better job than this week than I did last week. And uh, let's get into it. Um, but before we get into it, I should say, before we talk about superstars on Saturday night, let me remind you all: Retro Mania on Facebook, Retro with a w hit that like button be a part of all the fun we got going on over there with links to this show um you can also find pictures and videos and, and and different articles and things like that very similar to what i do on kicking out it too which i'll get to in a minute um so be a part of the fun over there hit that like button tell a friend to hit the like button you like retro wrestling you like talk about the old days we even talk about some of the new stuff you know you'll see kobe post some articles from time to time over there on the facebook regarding new japan stuff some videos that he 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 posts of uh some of the new japan matches currently um from the G1 tournament. So, yeah, you'll find all kinds of interesting stuff over there on Retromania over at Facebook. And we're on Twitter. Okay, but, you know, we need you guys to, to to help us make that following stronger on Twitter. If you have a Twitter, if you know someone that has a Twitter, give us a follow. Our handle is at RetromaniaPod, Retro with a W, once again. Um, be over there and be a part of all the fun that is the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Twitter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, who else do I got to plug? Oh, yeah, my show. Kicking out at two. That's right. Um, last week, we had our um, our SummerSlam trading places from 1991. This week, we have SummerSlam 1992 watch party. My brother Justin joined me. We sat down. We watched that show from beginning to end. And we talked about all the comings and goings in the WWF at that time. Excuse me. Losing my voice here. Um, <clears throat> talked about how this card shaped up. Talked about the possibilities of a Hulk Hogan appearance at this event and what that could have done, the impact that could have had. Um all that and so much more. We even talk about the steroid scandal. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff that we discussed on that show as we watch that event from beginning to end. So you can find that over on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. You could also find the link for that show over on our Twitter handle. Our Twitter handle is at kicking out two, K I C K N O U T and the number two. Um, all links to archive shows are over on our social media, as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, the hub, the home base of 
kicking out at two and marking out today's weekend warriors and gaijin wrestling radio hulkamania is dead orange of At- origins of attitude and so much more you can find all those shows over there retromania pro wrestling podcast network over on podbean and just to give you a little reminder um you know if podbean's not your thing okay if 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 you know, you, you like to listen to podcasts through the Apple Podcast app. You can find Retromania over there. If you like it on Google Play, you can find Retromania over there. Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, search Retromania, all those podcast platforms, and you will find the entire list of all of our shows on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. From Marking Out the Days to Kicking Out at Two, Hulkamania is Dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Origins of Attitude, and so much more. Plus all the bonus content, you're going to find that over there on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Just search Retromania and you'll find all of it there. So, But what you will find on this podcast, Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors, is a comprehensive look at pop culture in 1992 on this date august the 8th 1992 let's begin with the top act on the billboard musical charts madonna and this used to be my playground was the number one song in the country on this date in 1992 Um, for those of you youngins out there that are listening to this show that don't really know who madonna was madonna was lady gaga before lady gaga was cool um and as great of a performer as lady gaga is and i like watching lady gaga she's she's cool as shit um i watched her documentary on netflix uh which was very very um it was it was sad but it was also very very telling um about what a person like her goes through in the entertainment business so um it, it was it brought some insight to and, and made me look at her differently in a good way um after watching that anyhow long story short lady gaga in my opinion um her presentation was inspired by what madonna used to bring to the music world madonna was very controversial madonna used a lot of her sexuality and into into her act with with songs and with her dancing and with the music videos and gaga brings a lot of that to the table um musically so uh, madonna this used to be my playground was the number one song in, on the billboard charts on this date august the 8th 1992 the number one movie at the top of the billboard, or I'm sorry, not the billboard, the number one movie in theaters um, in this country on this date in 1992 was Three Ninjas. That's right. Um, Three Ninjas, uh, August the 8th, 1992 was the number one movie. It was about uh, three little kids. They were brothers that turned out they were like master martial artists and they could fight crime. And these 10 and 11 year olds were were stopping people from taking over the world and doing evil things to people. And so um, just another extension of the Ninja Turtle movie. Um, Not inspired by the Ninja Turtles, but just like another like um, another Another kind of movie where martial arts was relatable to kids in the same way that Ninja Turtles was. So um, I watched this movie as a kid. I know one Kobe Knight. It was a big Three Ninjas mark. Um, he loved him some Three Ninjas. Uh, you know, I, I could I could picture a young Kobe Knight um, practicing some of those moves um, in the backyard or in the basement um, and pretending to be one of the Three Ninjas. Who knows? Um, maybe we'll do a Three Ninjas recap um, here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors uh, in the near future. Maybe it'll be some bonus content. Who knows? But uh, nonetheless. Um, 
Uh, I watched this movie a long time ago. Don't remember much of it, but you know, as a kid, it was okay. You know, at ten years old, nine years old, whatever it was. I mean, um, you know, I didn't know. I didn't have the the, the best taste in 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 in, in cinematic um, fashion when it comes to movies. But you know, it was it's a kids' movie. You know, this is what it is. Um, so yeah, that is the number one movie. Um, in the United States on this date, August the 8th, 1992. Now, let's get into the real meat and potatoes of all of this. Um, August the 8th, 1992, WWF superstars from the Worcester Centrum in Worcester, Massachusetts. Your hosts are Vince McMahon and Mr. Perfect, but they don't go with the normal opening of the camera panning to perfect and Vince in front of the green screen that appears to be like they're in the arena, you actually see Mean Gene Okerlund on the interview stage introducing the ultimate warrior. Um, Warrior makes his way to the platform. Big pop from the crowd. Crowd's really into him. And uh, they talk about the showdown that he has planned with the Macho Man for the WWF Championship at SummerSlam. And you can tell that the dissension between Warrior and Macho Man is prevalent due to Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect's involvement and them stirring the pot the week prior. Um, Warrior um, kind of indicates that, you know, Savage could be in the back pocket of Mr. Perfect. However, um, you know, Mr. Perfect on commentary um, tells McMahon, hey, Vince, watch this. And out of nowhere, Flair comes out and confronts the warrior and, you know, tells the warrior that, you know, I'm going to be the WWF champion. But um, just to let you know, big man, uh, the deal is not set in stone between Mr. Perfect and the Macho Man, and you have a shot at it if you want the services of Mr. Perfect to ensure you the WWF championship, and then you could face me for the WWF title um, down the line. And so there was a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of stirring it up between Ric Flair and the Ultimate Warrior, which I thought was very good. It really helped add some more drama to this match. Um, Okerlund kind of uh, you know, playing the um, you know, the, the shocked commentator here, not sure where he, uh, you know, what he thought of these these allegations by Ric Flair um, with the Ultimate Warrior and Mr. Perfect and this whole scenario. Like, it added some good drama to it and really kicked things into high gear for this episode of Superstars. Um, the announcers then uh, run down the show, and uh, we got the British Bulldog, Kamala, and the Natural Disasters, and the debut of Razor Ramon, the in-ring debut of Razor Ramon on this episode. Of superstars, um, which brings us to the first match: Razor Ramon against Paul Van Dale. Paul Van Dale um, now is the f- well, he he always was, but I know this now from doing my research is the father of WWE superstar Carmella. Um, so that was very interesting. Um, this was a a. This was a good debut for Razor Ramon. He beat the shit out of this guy. He chopped the shit out of him. He slammed him. He kicked him, um, threw him out to the ringside area. Uh, he abused Paul Vandell. Um, and Razor Ramon hits that Razor's Edge, which they didn't have a name for it at the time, but um, he nails the Razor's Edge on Vandell for the win at 2 minutes and 39 seconds. Um, I, uh, you know, he, I, I felt he looked great in his debut. Um he just he really like he took advantage of the the time and the opportunity that he had out there and just like laid waste to Vandell and and made you feel 
back then and now today that he was a big deal, that you needed to take a look at him, that he was going to be a big player to come. Um, so, yeah, um, we get a shot of Bret Hart's parents, a pre-tape of Stu and Helen in their home. And Helen says she does not know what to do anymore about the tension between the Bulldog and Dave and uh, Bret Hart. Um, She's just she looks very upset and um, doesn't know what to do with herself. And, you know, the dissension in the family is getting worse. And you just see Stu Hart just sitting there. He's probably saying, let him fight. Put him down in the basement and we're going to we're going to put a hammerlock and take down and then you have to let the boys fight. And then when the match is over, we go have some sandwiches and, uh, you know, maybe 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 some maybe some iced tea. And, uh, uh, you yeah, know, well, we, 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 we hash this out, but then everything's going to be good. May the best wrestler win. So, um. I didn't think it was the best hype, but I, I, I thought last week it was it was bad. It got a little better, but um, they were really playing up this family angle um, and, and, and furthering it along. I felt like this 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 segment was better than the one last week where they had the interview with Brett's mom in the picture in picture. They didn't even give her a name. They just said, that's Brett's mom, uh, which I thought was stupid. But um they they progressed with this inter they progressed with this segment and with this story and so I thought that was a that was a thumbs up here. Um, we get Brian Breger and Brian Donahue, the battle of the the team of the Bryans, Brian squared, B two, <laughs> taking on the natural disasters. Um, typical match between the natural disasters. Um, you know, and enhancement talent. We get a picture in picture with the Beverly Brothers and the Genius uh, talking about the tag team championship match at SummerSlam. Um, it's basic hype for this match uh, with very little fanfare. Um, I just didn't see the Beverly Brothers as legitimate title contenders uh, for the natural disasters at this time. And what we've been covering, um, I just thought that the Beverly Brothers and the Legion of Doom, there were some decent, there were some decent, you know, storyline progression with those two teams. And for whatever reason, like I said on last week's show, it just didn't come to be. So um, that's that. We get Kamala with Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi defeating Ross Greenberg in two minutes and 32 seconds. Um, this is just another way to build up Kamala uh, to get him uh, settled against The Undertaker at SummerSlam. Um we see a WWF Magazine article on Kamala briefly flash across the screen, um, hyping up uh, this article from the WWF Magazine. Um, and uh, Mr. Perfect on commentary states that Kamala has what it takes to defeat The Undertaker at SummerSlam. Um, you know, Kamala was a, and I talked about it on the SummerSlam uh, 92 watch party, Kamala before the WWF was looked at as this monster, this killer in the days of world class um, when he was managed by Gary Hart and even, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Skandor Akbar from Devastation Incorporated. He was looked at as this just this, this destroyer from the, the, the jungles of Uganda. And then when he came to the WWF, he became a little more cartoonish. Um, and I think they were trying to recreate 
his magic from world class with all these squashes and, and hyping him up against Undertaker, and uh, it didn't seem to register or resonate. And like I said on last week's show, Undertaker and Berserker were on the collision course for you know a, a big matchup, and we didn't really get that. Um, and they just kind of like switched. They switched a lot of matches, and they switched a lot of rivalries to build up for this SummerSlam, and they did it in like a pretty quick fashion and this was this was another one too here um next match we get the british bulldog defeating iron mike sharp in two minutes and 55 seconds um vince uh he shills that the the ico pro um you know, because they flash the Ico Pro logo across the screen. He shills the Ico Pro and talks about there's no steroid freaks here in the WWF. Um, as Bulldog, um, who was probably uh, taking the needle in the ass, um, is beating on Iron Mike Sharp here. They talk about the, uh, the, the match with him and Brett and the family feud. Um, and uh, Bulldog plays up to the fans as the announcers talk about how um, how love and family is going to go out the window during this Intercontinental Championship match at SummerSlam. Um, he then puts Mike Iron Sharp away with a running power slam, building momentum towards SummerSlam for the victory. Um, like I said, they keep pushing this family dynamic between Bretton Bulldog for their SummerSlam match. We get the SummerSlam report with Mean Gene Okerlund, and he announces Crush taking on the Repo Man at SummerSlam. Um, they, now, I talked about this on another thing I talked about on the SummerSlam 92 watch party, which you can find in the archives at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. Um, Crush and Repo Man was advertised here in the United States, but on the UK telecast, the live telecast of SummerSlam 1992, um, Crush and Repo Man didn't air. Um, it was a match that was strictly for the American audience only or just for the live audience. Um, I believe they did one of those like five or ten minute intermissions before they went back to the regular broadcast so uh, uh crush and repo man didn't really have any issues between each other both guys were crush was just making his debut in singles around this time and they were trying to build him up and repo man had just i think he just finished his rivalry with davy boy smith the british bulldog so um <clears throat> this was just kind of like a throwaway match for this SummerSlam. Um, they keep hyping it as the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see, but I feel like this is the SummerSlam you'll never want to see <laughs> with some of the matchups that they had announced for this event. Um, the Berserker with Mr. Fuji is out next as he takes on Jason Knight. Jason Knight of former ECW fame, uh, the former bodyguard of Justin Credible, uh, former uh, owner of Assault Championship Wrestling, which I had uh, I had worked for for a brief period of time and part of the ring crew. Um, the uh, During this match, Vince tells the audience that Herschel Walker of the NFL is going to be a guest on WBF Superstars this weekend. Um, Tatanka. Then cuts a picture-in-picture uh, -picture promo, hyping his SummerSlam matchup against the Berserker. No issue between these two. Tatanka got his feather stolen from Rick Martel, but all of a sudden we're going to announce Tatanka and Berserker? I just don't get it. I don't get the hype going into this SummerSlam. You know, I didn't remember it being this bad as a kid, being this convoluted. I really don't. Um... Granted, this SummerSlam gets remembered, obviously, like I said before, for Davey and Brett, and even Warrior and Savage to a degree. Um, but a lot of these matches were just like put together in like a short period of time for no rhyme or reason, um, and it was it, it's it's quite confusing considering what we've seen 
and in the WWF at this time. I mean, Berserker was dealing with Undertaker. Tatanka was dealing with Rick Martel. Shawn Michaels had his issues with Bret Hart. Bulldog was just finishing up with Repo Man. Nails had issues with the Boss Man. Beverly Brothers and LOD, Money Inc., and Natural Disasters. And all of these rivalries didn't come to head at SummerSlam. Everything was switched around. I, I, I've been trying to do some research surrounding that, and I just don't, I can't seem to find the reason why they switched things up like that so quickly. I mean, I understand to some degree why they put Davy Boy, I understand in large part why they put Davy Boy against Brett. Because they knew they'd have a good match, and Davy Boy being in his home country in the UK, um, fighting for the Intercontinental title. I get that. I get that 100%. And I even understand Savage and Warrior because, I mean, I don't think we were going to see Warrior and Papa Shango at SummerSlam 1992, that's for sure. But um, the other stuff, I was, I'm scratching my head. I'm like, why are you doing all these matches that haven't really had any kind of serious buildup um, on TV? So um, this was just very confusing. Um, Berserker would win by uh, throwing Jason Knight over the top rope. Um, you know, his signature throw over, throw a guy over the top rope for a count up victory in one minute and fifty nine seconds. And I, I guess during this period, during this moment, um, during this match, Tatanka uh, announcing that he's going to face Berserker. That was the breaking news. That that was how they announced that match. Tatanka was Tatanka was going to wrestle Berserker at, at SummerSlam. So, um, and that about does it for this episode of Superstars. Next week in action, you're going to have the Undertaker, Money Incorporated, and the featured match. Of the week, the big boss man taking on Skinner, plus a special interview with the macho man, Randy Savage. I'll say this much, man. This episode of Superstars wasn't as good as last week, and I talked about it a little bit um, in terms of the hype for SummerSlam. Um, They announced Nails versus Virgil last week, but big boss man returned a week prior and is announced to face Skinner in the featured bout on Superstars next week, but there's no boss man Nails match. I just don't... this is the I guess they were right when they said this is the SummerSlam you thought you would never see because you thought you would never see so much convoluted booking when it came to the WWF this time in 1992. Um the highlights of this were probably the Flair um, Warrior stare down the the interview segment as well as uh, Razor Ramon's debut, um, but that's really about it. I, I I would say this show was was okay, um, and that's saying a lot. But those two segments I just mentioned probably saved this show. So that is what we have here for you when it comes to WWF superstars. And now let's discuss WCW Saturday night, August the 8th, 1992, 6.05 on TBS. We open this show with highlights of Ron Simmons' title victory from the Baltimore Arena over Big Van Vader. And then we get the traditional WCW Saturday night open with the WWE Network's dubbed over god-awful jazz music. Um... And we begin the show with Dustin Rhodes taking on Mark Canterbury. Mark Canterbury, otherwise known as Henry Godwin in the WWF. This is pre-Henry Godwin, of course. Pre-Tech uh, Slashinger, Shanghai Pierce, whatever he was called in WCW as well. Um, Dustin Rhodes defeats him in 2 minutes and 54 seconds with a Bulldog. Um, not a bad match. Um, you know, Canterbury was you know a little bit of the aggressor. And you could kind of see um, the early shades of Henry Godwin in this match with his style over Dustin. But um, Dustin came out the victor During this match we saw a a picture-in-picture promo With Dick Slater and Greg the Hammer Valentine Discussing their upcoming match with Dustin Rhodes and his tag team partner Barry Windham. It was also announced during this match that Jim Ross um, 
Jim Ross would proclaim that Sting will be out of action in the upcoming events in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Chicago, Illinois this weekend due to Jake the Snake Roberts' attack in the Baltimore arena a week prior. Now, I forgot to mention at the open of this show, um, Jim Ross had hyped and discussed Jake Roberts' return to WCW uh, with Bill Watts at the top of the hour, and they would discuss... Um, that later on in the show um, We then get a clip of Ron Simmons defeating Vader For the WCW World Heavyweight title How that all came about Putting the names in the hat And Simmons being the one that was drawn out of the hat Due to Sting's injuries um, I thought that was very well done And I remember going I don't remember particularly watching this episode But I remember watching the clips of this moment Maybe it was this episode, I don't know And um, being really surprised Like I was seeing something big I was like, oh my god Like, you know, I didn't have to order on pay-per-view to watch this Like, I could see this And it was pretty cool Um and it's definitely a cool moment um, One of my favorite moments To go back and watch um, Especially um, the crowd reaction And that Baltimore crowd and how big they popped For when Simmons beat Vader um, You could see the kid in the front row uh, Who was almost leapfrogged The entire fucking guardrail Out of excitement and then they show a close up Of him crying um, A young African American male um, Who I guess you could say identified with Ron Simmons at that time in the '90s. You didn't see stuff like that, and you know, with African American um, pro wrestlers, um, you saw it with athletes in professional sports and notoriety that that African Americans claimed in professional sports and how far they'd come um, over the years. And it was just a very big deal to see this moment. And they WCW did very did a very good job of capturing the emotion from the audience and tying it into this moment, and how, making it that much more important. Uh, when it comes to Ron Simmons' title victory, um, we get a pre-tape uh, interview with uh, Tony Schiavone and Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons, the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion, discussing how great it felt and and you know the the tough task that he had going into the match with Vader, um, but knowing that he had a good fighting chance to defeat him uh, it was a it was a very good promo and um, definitely made you look forward to Ron Simmons's run as the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, we move on here with um, Dangerous Danny Spivey defeating Randy. Stalin with a dragon sleeper at two minutes and one second. Um, there's a uh, picture in picture promo from Spivey uh, discussing his desire to beat Ron Simmons for the WCW World Heavyweight title. So Spivey's now in the hunt. Um, Something that uh, Tony Schiavone kind of alluded to in that in that interview with Ron Simmons, where he said you're going to have a, all kinds of challengers and targets on your back, and of course Simmons being the typical '90s babyface, you know, I'll take on all comers and and I, you know I'll defend this WCW Heavyweight Title against anybody. And so uh, you know, Spivey was Spivey was the first one, I guess you could say, on this show that made his made his name very clear that he wanted an opportunity at Ron Simmons for the World Heavyweight Title. Nothing to see with Spivey. Spivey installing, uh, Spivey just mauled him right from the get-go. He didn't even give him a chance to really get a get you know get out of the bullpen and warm up, so to speak. But um, he he you know typical Dan Spivey um, match when it comes to uh, destroying. Uh, the enhancement talent um, A throwback to his days in the skyscrapers With uh, Sid Vicious The next match we have is the Big Cat uh, Teaming with the Junkyard Dog Defeating Chris Sullivan and James Motes In 2 minutes and 8 seconds When Cat delivered an elbow to Motes uh, For those of you curious who Big Cat is Big Cat is 
Curtis Hughes, Mr. Hughes, um, who was a bodyguard to numerous wrestlers over the years, um, not only in WCW, but um, in WWF as well. Um, so uh, before he was Curtis Hughes, he was Big Cat. And uh, they, they, they tried to groom him to be a... Um, uh, a big star like Junkyard Dog by tagging him with Junkyard Dog, and uh, the the crowd seemed to be into them, but not like super into them. Um, this was an okay match. Uh, all, a lot of these matches are standard matches with the superstar and the enhancement talent and squashing and things like that. So you're going to kind of hear the same terminology if you haven't already figured it out yet. When it comes to my descriptions of this match or of these matches, um, it was during this match that Jim Ross announced that the Baltimore match between Rude and Nikita would be shown in its entirety. But he didn't say when. He didn't say if it was on Saturday night. Didn't say if it was a main event. Didn't say if it was going to be next week. But he said that match will be shown in its entirety. Uh, next, we had a match that went six minutes and 24 seconds too long. As Van Hammer defeated Tracy Smothers with a slingshot suplex. Like I said on last week's show, Van Hammer didn't do it for me then. He's not doing it for me now. Next, <laughs> we have Greg the Hammer Valentine and Dick Slater defeating the Italian Stallion and Ian Weston in 8 minutes and 17 seconds with Valentine's figure 4. We get another picture-in-picture -picture promo from Dick Slater and Valentine on this show, hyping Slater's match with Dustin Rhodes on main event tomorrow. Now, I'm not sure what this is all about, but we saw two picture-in-picture -picture promos from these guys on the same show. First one hyping up a tag match, the second one hyping up a singles match for the, the, the next week. I, to me personally, thought that was a little bit of an overkill. I don't know if it was a quick post-production edit that they tried to change direction and course. Maybe they weren't going with the tag match, and that's why they changed it up to the singles match. I don't know how that all came about, but it wouldn't surprise me if they meant to put both of them in there for no rhyme or reason. So, um Slater and Valentine seem to have some issues with Rhodes and Wyndham, but it looks like, uh, based on this second picture-in-picture -picture promo, it's going to be Slater and Dustin on tomorrow night's main event on TBS, 6.05 Eastern Standard Time, August the 9th, 1992. Um, we get hype for the Clash of Champions 20 event on TBS on September the 2nd, 1992, and they announced that Gordon Soley would be a part of the celebration as they are celebrating 20 years of professional wrestling on TBS. Uh Coming up on Kicking Out at 2 in a, in, a, in a few weeks, we're going to be doing a special watch party of that event. 20 years on TBS, Clash of the Champions 20. It was one of my favorite Clash of the Champions event um, because it had that very celebratory style vibe and environment to that show. It was from center stage. Uh, the main event of that show was Sting, Nikita Koloff, and the Steiner Brothers against Jake the Snake, Vader, Rick Rude, and the Super Invader. So um, that's that, that, that show's a lot of fun, and we're going to do a special watch party watch that from beginning to end on kicking out of two on september the 4th 2019 uh so be on the lookout for that um it'll be kind of cool like i think kobe's going to join me and it's going to be kind of cool because we're covering wcw 92 on you know wcw saturday night currently at this time so it's going to be kind of cool for us to go back and watch this event um this clash of champions event coming up in a few weeks and tying that into our timeline uh, that we're covering here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. Um, all right. Um, here we go. Jim Ross announced, you know, discusses uh, coming back from the break, discusses um, 
Jake Roberts a, a return to WCW and then cuts it to a pre-tape interview with Jesse the Body Ventura and Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, Jake the Snake discusses his arrival to WCW and uh, he brings up his, he mentions his father Grizzly Smith um, and what Grizzly Smith taught him over the years and then spits on it and uh, declares that he's here to make Sting's life a living hell. Um, this was kind of cool to see in 1992 when Jake Roberts made his appearance. I was a big Jake the Snake guy, whether he was a good guy or whether he was a bad guy, even though I didn't like him during his feud with Macho Man. Um, I thought Jake the Snake to WCW was kind of cool. Fresh matchups, him and Sting, him and Nikita, um, him and Cactus Jack. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed I, I mean, it's unfortunate that his run was cut so short, but I really enjoyed um, his introduction into WCW. I thought this was a cool way of doing it. When he DDT'd Sting and then he took the cross and put it down on him, like just Jake was just a master at like the the ultimate mind fuck and psychology and wrestling. Um, it, it was it was and to me, in my opinion, as a kid in 1992, it was it was some cool stuff to see. Um, Recently, I went and saw the, the Jake the Snake Roberts show, um, the stand-up uh, Dirty Details tour show with my wife um, back in June. And uh, I asked him when I met him, um, when I got my picture taken with him, I said, why was your WCW run cut so short? And he says, I quit. He goes, that Bill Watts is a real piece of shit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah. He goes, he cost me like eight or ten million dollars. Uh, you know, tried to take the snake away from me, did all this shit. I just had enough. I said, fuck him. And uh, I've heard stories that him and Bill Watts didn't get along. Um, even back in their days in Mid-South when he was a part of Mid-South Wrestling. Um, and Jake, uh, the story I've heard is that Jake signed a deal with WCW, um, and he got the deal through um, his father, Grizzly Smith, and he was going to make a lot of money. He was going to make, you know, it was a, it was a three or five year deal. He was going to make three quarters of a million dollars each year, if not more, um, to work less dates, and and and. It, Bill Watts then came on board and was put in charge and Bill Watts started making all these budget cuts. And one of them was he busted a lot of contracts in half, as Bill Watts would say. Um, and one of them was Jake's and he tore Jake's contract up and Jake probably made like a fraction of, of that. And so um, that was the that was the rough start to their their relationship with each other in WCW. But um, this interview here between the two of them, um, between Jake and uh, Jesse, hyping up his rivalry with Sting, it's exciting stuff. I, I liked it, and it was it was a good way to to introduce him and. Um, you know, let it be known that he's going to be a force in WCW. Next match we have here, um, nothing to write home about, but the Barbarian defeated Tommy Angel in three minutes and 21 seconds with a boot to the face. Like I said, nothing to see here. Um, we then get to an interview segment with Jim Ross interviewing Terry Gordy, Steve Williams, and Paul E. Dangerously, which I thought was interesting. Um, Dangerously announces that he has a working agreement with the Miracle Violence Connection to take out the Steiner brothers and promises that Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson would get rid of them by the time they come back from their tour of Japan. Miracle Violence Connection are the NWA and WCW World Tag Team Champions, and they've had a long-standing rivalry with the Steiners in the last several months um their 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 run-ins in the the nwa world tag team title tournament their match at beach blast clash of champions um definitely noted and documented here on this show marking out the day's weekend warriors i've discussed the chemistry that these two teams have the physical style that they bring and um 
so anyhow, um, nonetheless, um, let's just say that, uh, you know, this, this scenario here with Heyman and the Miracle Violence Connection in 2019, for me, I would have loved to have seen those two guys join the Dangerous Alliance. I mean, you had Zabisco was out and you had four guys um, that were a part of the Dangerous Alliance. But adding these two, man, that would have just made... That would just made for a cool looking visual, like a very dominant, badass faction. But I like the prospects of this working agreement and uh, not remembering how things transpired in 1992 as I was watching this. I'm actually kind of interested to see how this whole situation plays out. So um, we, we, we got it here first that the Miracle Violence Connection has made an agreement with Heyman, or dangerously, I should say, and uh, we'll see how this whole thing plays out, but it, it, it's, it's, it's promising. I'll say that much from, a, from a, a storytelling perspective. And then we get to the main event. Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton facing off against Larry Zabisco and Brian Pillman, um, defeating them in 21 minutes. Eaton delivers a top rope knee drop to Larry Zabisco's injured arm as he was caught in an arm bar by Arn Anderson. Um, the top rope rule was waived off for this match so that Pillman could deliver moves off the top rope. Same thing with Bobby Eaton. Um, this is a fun match. Uh, you know, all these styles really meshed well. You had the history of Zabisco with his problems you know, from the Dangerous Alliance, stemming from his exit from the Dangerous Alliance, Pillman coming in and just kind of taking his side for, for this one time only. Um, I thought this was a really fun match. All four guys, great in the ring. Chemistry worked well. Um, the crowd was into it. Uh, the, the, I will say this, doing the... the, the um, the, the recaps of these shows between Superstars and Saturday Night. I've said that Super Saturday Night has always had an edge over Superstars because of the the featured matches that take place, like these main events. More often than not, these WCW Saturday Night main events have been have what, in my opinion, overshadowed um, WWF superstars as a whole, and this match is no different. Um, you know, Anderson and Eaton, I felt, worked really well together, and were two guys that just had what it took to make a great tag team. And I, I think they're one of the more underrated tag teams in wrestling history, even though it was short-lived. Um, Zabisco still is a good guy. It, it, from my perspective now in 2019, um, surprised, I'm surprised at how well it was received. Um, and I think um, that's a testament to the storytelling and the way that the audience reacted to it. Um, I feel like in 2019, a guy like Zabisco would be looked at as boring and bland and vanilla and someone who's better off being a dirty heel. Um, but because his story was so relatable in 1992, um, this is pre-internet, of course, um, I think that's why it became such a, a well-followed and popular storyline for that time in WCW. So, um yeah, this match here definitely didn't disappoint this main event, and I'll go on to say that um, you know this is the reason why I pick WCW Saturday Night over WWF Superstars this week here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. But we do close this show out of Saturday Night with an interview, a pre-tape promo from Vader and the late Harley Race, who just recently passed away. Um, Vader discussing his loss to Ron Simmons for the WCW world title and vowing to get that championship back, doing whatever it takes. So we'll probably see Vader on the, on the war path in these next few weeks, just destroying fucking enhancement talent. Um, 
left and right. And that about does it for this edition of WCW Saturday Night. And like I said, I'm going to pick Saturday Night squeaking the victory over um, Superstars because of this main event. That was a fun main event. And just overall storyline progression. You had the announcement of Ron Simmons winning the world title. Jake Roberts' arrival to WCW. A lot of big things going on in WCW at that time that made this show noteworthy and better than WWF Superstars for August the 8th, 1992. And you know what, guys? I think that about does it this week here for another solo ridden edition of Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. I was on the saddle by myself these last two weeks, and I hope you guys were able to bear with me. Next week, hopefully, Kobe's going to be back, and we're going to jump on that saddle. We're going to ride that magic school bus in pro wrestling podcast, nostalgic history, whatever you want to call it, and and discuss the, the, the war before the war. WCW Saturday Night versus WWF Superstars from 1992. All right, guys. Don't forget, follow us on Facebook. Hit the like button. Retromania, Retro with a W. You can also follow us on Twitter at Retromania Pod, Retro with a W once again, as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. You can find this show, Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, and all the great shows from the Retromania Pro, Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over there on that stream. Like I said, if Podbean ain't your thing, you can go to Google Play, search Retromania. You'll find all those shows there. Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, Apple Podcast app, any podcast platform available out there. You can search Retromania, and you will find each and every one of these shows, over 150-plus shows available in the archives, and we're just going to keep building and building this network. And for those of you guys who are wrestling podcasters yourself that like doing this, that like talking about wrestling, whether it's current-day wrestling or retro wrestling, um, Please, by all means, we'd love to hear what you got. We'd love to hear what kind of content you're putting out. Send us a link to your show. And if you want to be a part of this collaboration and be a part of this positive, fun, exciting pro wrestling community that is the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, let us know. And we'd love to have you on board and be a part of the team here at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So drop us a line and uh, show us what you got. We'd love, to, we'd, we'd love to see what you can contribute. And I think that about does it this week here on Mark. Marking out the day's weekend warriors. So with that being said, I'm Dave Rosenbluth. I'm taking off. Hopefully Kobe comes back to join me next week and we will see you all next week.